Welcome to People Mobilisation Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about how to harness the power of your most important resource, people, mobilising them in line with the organisation's values towards success. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. Nia Yari Giam, Jagenba, Na Gayabu, Yarrawa Peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. Our guest for this episode has more than 30 years' experience working in the health service industry. Frank Tracy has a background in nursing and holds advanced qualifications in both health and management. His extensive experience in health commissioning and provision in clinical and community settings is complemented by strong managerial and leadership skills and an applied interest in translational health research. While working in both government and non-government roles, Frank has focused on delivering sustainable health strategies that serve the best interests of patients, health professionals, the broader health system and the community. Frank is currently the Chief Executive of Children's Health Queensland. Frank Tracy, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Daniel. It's a real pleasure to be here and um, hello to all your listeners. Frank, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and then, of course, your current role as well? Thank you, Daniel. Yes, I'll do that. Before I begin, though, might I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the uh, lands on which listeners are listening to this podcast, but also on which I'm doing it. And for us, that's the other interval people. I wanted to pay my respects to uh, elders past, present, and those who are emerging, and uh, convey those respects to those of you who are listening today or this evening. Uh, Look, my name is Frank Tracy. I'm the Chief Executive of Children's Health Queensland, Hospital and Health Service, and we're based here in Brisbane. Children's Health Queensland Hospital and Health Services provide paediatric services and support to young people throughout the state of Queensland and parts of northern New South Wales. And that's obviously quite a large role where you would be involved with a lot of staff um, and also other organisations, I imagine, that you work alongside. Yeah, fantastic observation. Uh, We are part of a network across Queensland. There are 16 hospital and health services across Queensland. So we're part of that very big network. Our organization, we have about 5,000 headcount of staff. So uh, not insubstantial in this scheme of things. Many, many partners across the state and internationally and globally and um, many partners from different parts of uh, government uh, and the private sector. Uh, So the work that we do uh, that involves um, children and young people, as you can imagine, involves families as well. So we we have to have touch points with a whole range of other agencies, everything from education uh, right the way through to social services and support, general practice and housing. So um, we've got multiple partners and um, the way that we work as an organization, part of our our philosophy is that we always aim to collaborate and to partner because 
that's how you get things done and that's how you get the best results for people. That's absolutely true and, of course, very close to what we're talking about today, which is people, uh, recruiting people, managing people, inspiring people and how to mobilize people. Can you talk a little bit about how you mobilize your staff uh, at Children's Health? Yes, Dan, you're very happy to do that. Uh, one of the key things about mobilization is, as a, as a leader or a manager, is that you've got to be very clear about why you're mobilizing people. What's the purpose? And once you've got clarity around what the purpose is, well, then you, be, you can begin to think about how you might uh, create the conditions for your teams and for individuals to thrive. If you then create the conditions for your teams or for your individuals to thrive, they will very quickly align with that purpose. So for me, that's the, the obvious starting point. And for us at Children's Health Queensland, our purpose is very clear around uh, ensuring that uh, we provide the very best care to every child and young person in Queensland. Uh, that's what we strive to do every day. That's our excellence agenda. So we want any child uh, or young person who has um, a challenge in their life, uh, whether that be psychological or whether that be physical health, um, we want to be able to reach out to them and provide them with the supports uh, that they and their families need to help resolve that issue. So th that purpose for us is particularly clear. How we've woven that, though, into uh, our organization's strategy, I think, is more to the question you're asking and how to cascade that vision or that intent to all of our staff. That's the tricky piece. And how we've managed to do that here is to really focus heavily on our core values. And if we're then able to align our core values, and what I mean by that are they're the values that guide behavior, not just uh, stating a, a set of values, but the, the values that guide behavior. If we can be clear about those and we can embed those in our culture, then we can start to align around getting people to thrive, to be the best version of themselves they can be. And that then aligns so nicely with, with culture and uh, engagement. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. So you're really saying that a lot of things that an organization is about, those things being culture, those things being your modus operandi, your, your excellence agenda, they have to align really to make sure that you can mobilize your staff. That's absolutely right, uh, Daniel. So if I think about our values of integrity, respect, care, and the fourth one, which is a little bit unusual for organizations, we have a value of imagination. So right there in our values, we're talking about the core behaviors around respecting people, acting with integrity and providing the best possible care, not just for the people we serve, but caring for the people we serve and caring for each other as we do that. Those three are very powerful, but when you have a value that's based around imagination, I think you move things to the next level. And we've used that value 
of imagination to really engage and mobilize our staff and to draw out of them uh, some of the things that really have made us uh, stand apart as an organization. So I like to say that we try to do different, not just think different, but we try to do different. And that's all about being excellent in what it is that we do. That's really amazing, Frank, to have a value of imagination in your workplace. Often something like imagination is considered to be good, but not valued in terms of, you know, thinking about it as a financial thing, you know, paying staff to sit there and think of ideas or imagine possibilities might seem like a waste of money to, <laughs> to be off with the fairies, I guess. Well, that, that's, that's interesting. It, that's an interesting, what I call a traditional narrative around what imagination is. What I see and what we tap into is the imagination that people hold just as part and parcel of who they are. So what we've done is that we've tried, again, to create those conditions for people to bring good ideas to work, to think about what it is that they're doing and how to improve what it is they're doing. We've gone to the extent that um, we dedicate a whole week to dreaming big. So we have a, a dream big week uh, that really does celebrate our staff's imagination, where our staff are able to uh, express themselves through different media. They're able to talk about their bright ideas and the things that they think will make a real difference uh, to their colleagues and to their day-to-day -day work. And then we celebrate that and we pick those great ideas and we implement them. So this is not just about thinking about great ideas. This is literally uh, going through, working with our staff in a, in a way that taps into their imagination and their desire to be uh, the best that they can be and to bringing their good ideas to action. Because when you engage with staff, and, and this goes to this notion of mobilization, you know, we can talk about mobilization as a strategy, but a strategy really is just a document without understanding how to implement it, it will always remain just a document, a nice document and a guiding path, but we need to understand how to implement uh, mobilization. So if I go back to Dream Big Week and think about how we work with our, our staff, and you're talking about people who've spent you know, 20 years learning here. These are world experts in their field. Uh, so everyone uh, from very senior professors of medicine all the way through to um, some of our admin staff who have got some fantastic ideas about how to improve things for patients and families. So when you start to call out imagination and you create conditions where people can talk about it and see their ideas come to fruition and come to life, that really does build momentum. So the, the underpinning notion of our uh, Dream Big Week is about valuing innovation. We ask people for their ideas. They speak, they tell us their ideas. We listen. But the most important thing is that we act. So we act on those ideas, the ones that are going to make a difference. And we're very clear at the outset that not every idea uh, will find its time right now. 
uh, some may have to wait, but we really do like to take those ideas and put them into action and test them. And if they're going to work, we will push them, support them. Uh, and if they're not going to work, well, we'll fail quickly and we'll move on to something else. And I think in that way, we really do respect our staff's ideas and how they see the world. That is amazing. And it must give an amazing energy to the staff to know that they're not just working for a great organisation in Children's Health Queensland, but also making personally feeling like they're making a difference to that organisation and the people it benefits. Oh, look, it, it really does. We've had, I'm just thinking about some of the shark tap tank sessions we've had this year, for example, we run a number of forums uh, through throughout Dream Big Week. As you can imagine, in a, in a children's environment, it often involves Lego and various other creative activities, but we've seen people really uh, come up with just some amazing ideas. And uh, from last year's uh, Shark Tanks, we uh, have implemented a, a series of improvements uh, this year will be exactly the same. And we're noticing that we're getting more and more engagement, not just internally from our staff, but from our partners as well. So our academic partners want to be involved in the great debate about this year, about whether social media is harmful or is beneficial to children and young people. You can imagine a room full of academics uh, on the affirmative and on the negative side debating that that's the kind of conversation that we want to spark because out of that comes some fantastic ideas and, and different ways of thinking and potentially even different ways of shaping the existing narrative. As a leader, Frank, are you able to bring to our listeners an experience that you've had where you've had to mobilise staff, especially if you've had to mobilise staff across a broad range and quickly, and, and how do you do something like that? How, how were you involved in an initiative that mobilises staff quickly? I think, Daniel, that's a great question. I've got so many examples of that, um, both at a, at a team level, uh, also at an individual level around engaging with, with people on an individual basis, because I firmly believe that uh, you've got to be able to work at all of those levels as a leader. You've got to be able to engage with the individual in a meaningful way and then with teams in a meaningful way and in an authentic way. And then you've got to be able to uh, translate that to the broader context of an organization. So organization-wide. And then uh, we're not done here. You've got to be able to engage in a meaningful and in an authentic way with partners and the external customer in this instance, uh, for us, that's the government departments, that's our, our other colleagues in hospital and health services and general practitioners and a whole range of people. So how I've seen uh, that mobilization work, I, I think that the best example for me is an example at scale of how as Queensland Children's Hospital, we have drawn together two, if not three, very different cultures as we were formed almost seven years ago. We've just uh, celebrated our seventh birthday as a hospital and health service. And um, we were an amalgamation or are an amalgamation of um, Matter, Matter Kids, 
and um, the Royal Children's uh, Hospital based in um, North Brisbane. So bringing those cultures together to form one entity is a huge uh, task. And that, I think, for me, is the best example of how to go about uh, developing a culture and an engagement strategy that forms an individual organizational identity and entity. And how we did that uh, was work very, very hard to, again, be authentic, uh, to engage with people where they stood uh, in terms of their career, their value add and their values, and then start to listen to them and engage them in a conversation about what would shared values for a new organization look like? What would the things be that we could all agree on as a a team of 5,000 that would help us create a culture of excellence? How can we move through that storming phase and form an organizational identity that actually represented Queensland and the best of Queensland and the best of care for Queensland children, young people, and families. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we did that by really focusing on uh, our values and really working intensely around what integrity meant, what care meant, what respect meant, and what imagination meant. And when I say meant, what it meant to individuals, we did a massive consultation over a couple of years around developing our strategy and our vision for providing life-changing care for every child and young person in Queensland. So we engaged deeply with all of our internal stakeholders and our external stakeholders around these values and became completely focused on embedding those values as behaviors. So the first thing we did was we translated those values into the words of children. So um, what does care mean? It means that we look after each other. What does respect mean? Well, uh, we listen to each other. Uh, And what does imagination mean? Well, that means that we dream big. And in terms of bringing those values to life, we made a really clear commitment to all of our staff to live by our values. And that's where then the next layer of developing this culture came from, because we were able to tap into that notion, that noble purpose, if you will, of of providing life-changing care for every child that, that came through our doors and that came through the doors of other hospitals and health services and community clinics and other community settings where care was delivered. We wanted everyone to understand that good just wasn't good enough. It needed to be excellent. And that if we lived our values, and if we were person-centered in that respect, that uh, we would build a strong culture. So that layer that I've spoken around, the person-centered piece, really does pick up those four core values. And being person-centered means that you actually have to engage with and listen to the people that uh, you work with, your colleagues, your partners, but importantly, and for those of you in other sectors, your customers, in our case, that's um, children, young people and families who receive care. 
And when you engage with them in an authentic way and are person-centered, that means that you can start to plan together and you can start to think about ways to do things that work for each of those layers. So we had a five-year journey, uh, Daniel, of um, working with an organization in the U.S. called Plain Tree International. They're an organization that, that promotes and have developed uh, a model, an evidence-based model for person-centered care. Uh, they produce a set of criteria and strict KPIs, key performance indicators around how you measure your organization against those criteria. So we went on a five-year journey and earlier this year, we obtained gold certification from Plain Tree International that really said, hey, we've put the foundations in place and we are now ready for that next stage of our journey because being excellent and being person-centered is a journey of continuous improvement. And just like culture, it's something that you need to nurture and it's something that you need to be attentive to. And you need to think about it in the way that I described at the beginning. You need to think about it at an individual level, a team level, organizational level, and then at a system level. Now, I understand that that was quite a long response, but I'm very happy to say that today when we look at our working for Queensland results, working for Queensland is a a Queensland-wide, it's a government uh, survey of staff engagement and um, satisfaction that's run annually, um, and certainly across health. Each year, our response as Children's Health Queensland to that has been exceptional. We also pulse test our, our response through a variety of forums and a variety of surveys that we do through a range of different initiatives and Please understand, too, that um, we're a complex organization as a tertiary quaternary hospital and health service that treats Queensland's sickest children right the way through to uh, providing kindy checkups uh, in, in a local community centre. So we're very conscious of um, listening to our people, engaging with our people, and having their voice heard. Frank, that's an amazing background you've given there. You seem to me to be really interested at Children's Health Queensland in what your staff think and feel, what your partners think and feel, and also, of course, as you said, what your clients, what the children and their families think and feel about these values. As in employees, we've worked at organisations, I'm sure all of us listening have worked at organisations that have values and usually you enter an organisation and they say, these are our values, they're written on the wall there, you can read about them uh, in your own time. But you want to know how those values are interpreted by everyone involved with the organisation and that seems to me to be just another leap compared to what other organisations are doing. Well, thank you. Well, I hold a very firm belief that Values written on, on the wall are just that, the words on the wall. What differentiates someone who lives their values is their behavior and their actions. And, well, we don't get it, none of us, I certainly don't get it right all the time. But what I want to be is I want to be open to people telling me when I haven't, because I want to be able to change that because of that notion that I want to do good uh, I, I want I want to be as excellent as I can be. I want to bring my best self to work every day. And 
that's not easy. And I, I just reflect on uh, the past couple of years as we've responded to COVID as a system. It hasn't been easy for anyone um, these past two years. But if I reflect on what are, what are the things that have stood out for me uh, as a leader in the health system, it is that we actually do care for each other. We do things that support each other. We work as a system when the pressure is on. And it's difficult for us when things don't go right because we care so much about making sure that our communities are safe, that children are safe, and that we do the right thing by people. And what I've seen in Queensland is I've seen a remarkable um, a remarkable living of the value of looking after each other. I would call it, you know, our value of care. We actually care about each other in this state and, and in this community. And I don't think you can underestimate that. So some of the simple things we have done, Daniel, around making values, um, living values and reinforcing it. Remember that uh, when you when you set and are establishing a culture within an organization, you've got to constantly reinforce the values and reinforce that culture. It's a very precious thing. You know, you just can't sugar hits, if you will, of engagement with culture. So we've done a thing here, um, which is a very simple thing to do. Uh, we have a set of value cards. So we've printed those off. It's got our, our values, each value drawn out and printed on a postcard. And when we see, and this is across the organization, particularly at executive level, when we see or experience someone doing something that reflects our values, we write a personal note on a values card and hand deliver it to that person or have it delivered by their manager. That comes directly from executive and directly from our board. So that very simple thing of taking the time to sit down and write in your hand, not an email, not a telephone call, but write down what you've seen and how you wish to thank people for living the values has had quite a profound effect. We supplement that by doing what I call a value share at the beginning of every meeting. So when we sit down as an executive, after I've done my traditional uh, acknowledgement, I ask for a value share from my executive. What have they seen in their day that uh, gives them pause to reflect on someone living our values? And without fail, I will have at least two or three examples every single day of someone having seen a staff member go that extra mile to help a family in the car park, help a child in the lift, help a colleague do something, or stay after hours to get a job done. All of those things, those acknowledgements, um, are really important because it means that people notice, people keep that culture alive, and people are interested in thanking you for what it is you do. So they're just some of the small mechanisms that we use there. There are many others. Um, we, we have a series of events that we have. Thank you events throughout the year. We have our staff excellence awards where, where children and families who've received care celebrate uh, staff, where colleagues celebrate staff. And we put on a, 
an event that really does acknowledge people living those values and and um, being their the very best version of themselves that they can be. Frank, that seems to me that you're going to have a lot of staff that are, I guess, primed for mobilization because they are so energetic. They're so they're living those values, as you say, and, and therefore are ready um, to be mobilized, um, to be engaged. But have you ever had an experience where mobilizing a group of people has had an unexpected influence on the organization? Great question. Um, regrettably, yes. And positively, yes. Uh, regrettably, my, my experience doesn't relate to this organization. It re- relates to um, experiences I've had earlier in my career where I take responsibility uh, as a leader and as an executive and a manager for moving too early with a vision and with a strategy that wasn't grounded in values. And I've seen the impact that that, that has had. Uh, again, I, I use the term sugar hit. You have a, a quick hit where those who are interested in uh, doing things differently will rise to the occasion and they will that they will do some wonderful things. And in, in the case I'm thinking about, I hadn't done my homework. I hadn't gone out there. I hadn't socialized those values. I hadn't allowed them to permeate people's conversation. I hadn't made them visible. I hadn't uh, displayed them myself because I didn't listen. So I really didn't tap into all of that goodwill and, and all of that desire uh, to do things differently and do things well. And the results of that were that uh, a number of the programs that I had put in place just failed and petered out. The worst part about that was that um, I think some leaders, uh, some emerging leaders perhaps got disenchanted and perhaps damaged along the way in that in, in that instance. Uh, and, and that's the negative impact. I think the culture failed to move on in a way that I knew that it could. But on the positive side, I've learned from that experience and, and many others, again, I would say even at an individual level, I've learned that sometimes what I want actually isn't important. It's what's good for the organization that's important. And I have to ensure that I create those conditions for people, individuals, and and teams to thrive. That's my job. My job as a chief executive and and as a leader is to um, create other leaders that are able to share those values. So yes, lots of of experience over the years of um, really not listening enough and not appreciating the importance of the timing of developing a culture and translating that culture into what I call the DNA of an organization. And that's why I've worked so hard at Children's South Queensland to, to do it this way, because I believe that when you come through the door here at Children's Health, you can feel, you can feel the culture. I, I, I wish I had known earlier in my career what I know now. But that's the benefit of experience. That's the benefit of uh, learning about failure and learning about one's own frailties and one's own desires as a leader. That's what it takes sometimes. I, I, I think as I've 
said, um, I did an opening address for Griffith uh, University graduates recently, and I talked about the single uh, biggest lesson that I've learned in my career, and that is about never being uh, afraid to fail and to recognize that that is going to be part and parcel of my journey as a leader. So if I'm going to talk about engagement, if I'm going to talk about culture, I need to understand what it looks like from both sides. I need to understand what good looks like, and I need to understand what poor looks like. And um, yeah, I, I do thank people who have guided me over the years and the lessons that they've taught me to to really recognize what good looks like. Frank, you've shared lots of valuable information and experiences with us today. I wonder if you could boil it down to just one thing. What sort of advice would you give to a person, a graduate from our uh, MBA here at USQ that's going to be new to leadership roles? What advice would you give to them about staff mobilization? My advice around staff mobilization would be be very clear about what it is you're mobilizing for. What is it that you're asking of people? If you can be clear with them about what it is you're asking of them, if you can get them aligned on a common purpose, then I think you've started on the right foot. That's A. The B side of that is learn to get out of your own way. Learn to listen and then learn to act in a way that encourages and supports people to be the best version of themselves they can be. It actually isn't about you. Now, that may sound harsh for someone who spent uh, a lot of time doing their MBA to, to, uh, to drive their career forward and to advance themselves, but be very careful about being seduced into thinking that your view is the only view, that because you have thought it, that everyone will accept it. I encourage you to go and test that. I encourage you to go and talk with people, take their counsel, and listen to your customers. Your customers know what good looks like. In our case, children, young people, and families, they tell us every day what good feels like, and what good looks like. Frank Tracy, uh, CEO of Children's Health Queensland, uh, brilliant and authentic and heartfelt discussion today. Thank you very much for your insights into leadership and staff mobilisation. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you, Daniel. And uh, very best wishes to all of your listeners and to those graduates from the MBA program. And Merry Christmas to you all. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Frank. Thank you very much. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast.